0: right now because we're being joined by uh, the curator and the um, steward of possibly the most progressive voting system in the United States of America, Secretary of State Matthew Dunlap. Thank you for joining us.
1: Great to join you Pat.
0: You you know I'm so proud of Maine and I hate the fact that I'm transplanted away but uh, you know same-day voter registration you, you've had decades.
1: Thanks. 1973.
0: Right. And it's interesting because people have said to me, oh, they can't do that because until recently, you couldn't even register online. But 1973, there was no online.
1: No. And actually, the National Voter Rights Act uh, was passed at a time when we were still using paper voter registration cards. So you see technology has uh, come to be a big player in how we conduct elections over the last 15-20 years, for sure.
0: Right. But now you also have instant runoff voting or ranked choice voting or
1: Ranked choice voting. Ranked choice voting. We've, we've had it in the law. It was passed by the voters in 2016. Um, we are right now, as we speak, uh, we are having a group of my folks uh, on the weekend here um, working to feed uh, um, ballots into a, into a, a high-speed uh, tabulator. Having a hard time. I'm talking. I I just got done moderating a town meeting, so (laughs) (laughs) I've been talking a lot today. Yeah. Um, So yeah, we have a high-speed tabulator. We're feeding all the hand-count town ballots into it. Uh, We're taking the secure uh, memory devices from the towns that use tabulating scanners, and we're going to download all the ballot images. And when they're all in, we're going to run the cascade and just see exactly what the final results were on the from the July 14th primary.
0: So even though um, I believe it's uh, Ms. Gideon has been selected, right now has been um, named as the heir apparent of the Democratic party to run against Susan Collins, that's not certain yet because you aren't completely done counting?
1: Her race is done. The way ranked choice voting works is that any candidate that gets 50% plus one vote, there's no need for a ranking because the whole point was to get you to a majority. Where we are doing ranked tabulations, there's a congressional primary for the second congressional district on the Republican side of the ticket. It was a three-way race. Dale Crafts, he's a um, former legislator. Um, He is right now at Uh 44.5%. And Adrian Bennett was like at 31% and Eric Brakey was like at 20 something percent. So um, as we go through those rankings, the way it works is the third place finisher after after the, the first round is dropped and the voters who voted for them, that candidate as their first choice, if they ranked a second choice, those second choice votes are reallocated and you run the cascade again. And you do that until somebody gets to 50% plus one. Um in the 2018 gubernatorial primary on the Democratic side, it was a seven-way primary, and Janet Mills wound up with a nomination at the first at the fourth round. So it uh, it's whoever has fifty percent, a majority of the ballots uh in the last round gets the nomination. So we have we have the uh Republican congressional primary, and I think we have four legislative three-way races or more that we're going to be tabulating after.
0: So um, this was extremely important in, was it 2016 or 2018, in the second district for Congress overall, right? It It was
1: 2018, yeah, it was a four-way race. Uh, We had two fairly progressive independents running, along with the incumbent Republican, Bruce Poliquin, and the Democratic challenger, Jared Golden and Golden, after the first round on election day, was trailing by about 2,000 votes. Hoare and Bond combined for about 23,000 votes. So the operative question was, how many of those voters actually ranked choices or just voted for the independent candidate as a protest vote? And as it turned out, about half ranked and better than two to one selected Golden as their second choice. So when we reallocated the votes, Golden won in the second round and is now our sitting member of Congress.
0: Right. So Poliquin had the initial plurality of the votes, but he didn't have a majority. So then you went to these second rankings. That's correct. Right. That's amazing. I, I try to talk about Coke, Pepsi, and Sprite because it gets people less angry. You know, we can't, we can't get 50% for Coke or Pepsi. So let's see who the second choice of the Sprite people is. Well, and that's how you get a favorite soda.
1: Our communications director is a very creative person, and she came to me a few years ago and said, there's a software out there that we could actually do animated instructional cartoons. I think we could do something with it. The license is a couple hundred bucks. I said, yeah, go for it. What the hell? And um, so she's produced some really, really interesting uh, instructional uh, videos, informational videos, like the Used Car Buyer's Guide, which if you were to read it, you probably want to gouge your eyes out after about the third page. But she made it punchy and fun, and it's been a pretty popular document. But she also did one for Ranked Choice Voting. And I got a lot of crap about that because the, my animated avatar in the cartoon has far more hair than I really do. <laughs>
0: Well um, if you were voting you might vote for more hair so that's okay. that's right but
1: you know the initial <laughs> the initial sample ballot that we that we put together actually had the names of the actual candidates i said no don't oh. do that it's going to look like i'm advocating for somebody so right. we had a sample ballot with names like donald duck and superman and wonder woman and and uh people got a lot people got a big charge out of that it was a lot of fun
0: well we'll have to find that and put it at the end of this interview we'll tack that on the end so people can see it that's great um so you and i started chatting a couple of weeks ago well we chatted a number of weeks ago because i was writing a chapter of a book about what's going to happen after covid19 and you were really helpful because Uh, that was right when the Wisconsin primary was gonna be delayed, didn't get delayed, the Republican Party sued. Um, I imagine moving forward, uh, especially if you, this is the first ranked choice vote for president that you're gonna have? Okay, so I imagine there's gonna, you must hate to see those lawsuits coming.
1: Yeah, I get sued so often, frankly, I, I, and you know, my parents had a small business, and at one point they're involved in a little litigation, and my parents were so stressed. My father described it as my mother sleeping about six inches off the mattress every night. And I kind of grew up in the sense of, of mortal terror of ever being sued. And now as Secretary of State, I get sued so often. In fact, we got noticed that one was dismissed last week that I didn't even know had been filed. Oh. <laughs> so um, you know, yeah, we have a lot of litigation. It's, it's part, and I never shy away from litigation. Litigation is actually a really valuable part of this process. Because as a bureaucratic administrator, you try to apply the law, but then you find something that doesn't fit and you kind of try to make a decision and people don't like your decision. So what's their remedy? They go to court and the judge clarifies it. So it's actually really, really helpful. We like winning, but even when we lose, like, oh yeah, i never thought of that. And now we have a better, we've charted a better path forward
0: for the next time. And voter enfranchisement. Yes. I mean, everybody thinks that it's just the same everywhere, but that's entirely left up to the states. So this... Trailblazing that you folks have done with the golden election, and then moving forward now with, uh, I think the most important United States Senate race in the country. I I think the fact that the major mainstream major media is not beating down your door every single day to say, here's an election. There are at least three candidates in it. Um, You know, you see the totals for polling, and neither the Democrat nor the Republican have 50%, and there is another candidate out there, you know, getting support, but they're not mentioned. And the fact that these people are gonna have to rank a choice, it's- Change the dynamic. Right, it's such, it's the most important U.S. Senate race in the country. You heard it here first, folks. But but so all of this moving forward and looking backward, when Wisconsin decided to postpone the primary, because, uh, of COVID-19 and then the Republican Party sued and the Wisconsin State Supreme Court made the election happen anyway the people who had wanted to get a absentee ballot then didn't have time because yeah. they thought it would be postponed so there can be a lot of nightmares <laughs> i guess yeah. That's, yeah so my our concern for this overnight webcast and our concern you know pretty much my concern all the time is what's going to happen to people who are either currently living in homelessness or living in an apartment that they haven't paid rent on since April, someone lifts the eviction moratoriums and boom, they're out the next day. What happens to them? How do they vote?
1: Well, in Maine, it's pretty simple. Um, you know, we have a whole body of law that talks about voter registration and residence and domicile and all this sort of thing. Of course, like you say, it means something different in every state. For instance, Maine is one of two states that allows even incarcerated felons to still vote in elections. You know, most states, you lose your right to vote either permanently or for some, or the period of time that you're incarcerated. Maine and Vermont do not do that. So I've actually gone down to the state prison a couple of times and updated voter registrations for convicted murderers and arsonists. You know, and I'll tell you, it's a humbling experience um, because they are just so happy that anybody cares about them enough to take care of a couple pieces of paperwork for them. And these are, these are people in many cases who've done some really, really terrible things. And in other cases, you know, you or I, maybe one more dare, maybe the, that one more beer than was prudent and we'd wind up there. So, you know, um, I, I think for, in that regard, when you talk about people who are homeless, we have a section of law, it's in our election statutes titled 21A, uh, sec, uh, that's main revised statutes annotated for those who are following their scorecards at home, uh, section 112, paragraph 15, and it describes it in, in pretty detailed way. And let's see if I can find this really quick, and I'll tell you exactly what it says. It says, um, non-traditional residence. a person may have a non-traditional residence, including but not limited to a shelter, park, or underpass. A person's residency is not subject to challenge on the sole basis that the person has a non-traditional residence. So you live under a bridge, somebody can't challenge your ability to vote. So every American citizen who lives in the state of Maine has the affirmative right to vote. And that means if you live in the woods, you know, you live under that bridge, um, you know, you your primary Address where you might receive any mail might be a homeless shelter. And we can sometimes work with folks in homeless shelters to make sure that people have their registrations in order in case they want to vote. Now, as a demographic, there's not a lot of voters among the homeless. Some of them do. And, you know, homeless people, I think, get a bad rap. We always assume they're drug addicts. We assume that, you know, they have mental health issues. Many times they do. But just as frequently is somebody who's just had one bad break too many. You know, I got a call yesterday, as a matter of fact, from the son uh, of this late fellow who was a leader in our church, he was a nice fellow, he was in his 90s, he passed away this winter. His son, his adult son, has fallen on hard times and he called me up yesterday and he said, I'm looking for help. He said, you know, you know I'm homeless. Now, I'm not in a dire situation, I can, I can sleep in my car, but I could really use a little help. I mean, it, it kind of speaks just to how fragile our lives really are. I mean, you have something like you talk about the campfire, you know, where thousands of people lost their homes. It's not that they can go check into the next door hotel. You know, there's, there's just, there aren't accommodations. And I think what, you know, we're not looking at that scale of a catastrophe here, but you're absolutely right. If something goes wrong with, you know, an order expiring and, or the law not getting changed or not accounting for people, who, you know, I know so many people in the town I live in who string things together. You know, they work retail in the mall during the day, and then maybe they bartend at night. Well, they're not working at all right now. And, you know, so how long can you make that work? Especially, you know, the landlord kind of expects to get a rent check every month, Um, you know, or the bank, you know, has that narcotic habit of getting those mortgage payments. So, you know, when that all starts to come apart, usually the people that are left holding the bag are not the people who owe the money it's the people who are owed the money that are the ones that are the first ones in line so in that regard i think looking ahead to november and beyond you know i think this is one of the things that we really want to keep a strong eye on is how do we protect our you know the public in this national discussion of democracy and making sure that everybody does have a chance to vote. That section of law guarantees it. Um, if somebody has lost their home and they're not sure what to do, we can still help them vote.
0: Now, will there be a, um, so I was reading, actually reading the statute, that the national one that coincides to the main one, just before we started talking, and it does say that you can, you know, as you said, List, I live under the bridge that goes over the Kanduskeg River, um, mm-hmm. but, in addition to that, you you can't get your mail under the bridge at the Kandaskeg River, and there you can't really have a general delivery mailbox anymore because since nine eleven those were done away with. So if you don't have a shelter that's willing to accept mail for you, you can't necessarily avail yourself of the mail-in ballot.
1: That's correct. So if
0: you want to do an absentee ballot, is there any hope or or some sort of are there discussions maybe about Approaching early October and saying we need a way to absentee ballot people who, in Pennsylvania, for example, there's a moratorium on evictions. Right now it's until the end of August. It does not stop people for, it does not stop landlords, and I'm not picking on landlords, but it does not stop landlords from filing the paperwork. So all the paperwork could be ready to go September 1 when the moratorium's gone and the person could be out so if that person doesn't have a way to get mail necessarily they go they go to live in their car Um, is there anything on the horizon could they go to the county and and request a absentee ballot is there something in the works and and if that's just in the discussion process um, can we get back to that later closer to november and see what might happen
1: well, I think it's something, you know, certainly the way our law is structured around absentee balloting, that person could still get an absentee ballot. Um, you know, it, it, they wouldn't necessarily be having it mailed to them, but they could still go to their town office. They could call their town office
0: oh, good. and
1: say, look, you know, I've been evicted from my apartment and, you know, but right now that's what I'm considering my address, or maybe I'm considering my address to be the bench in front of the Philip Strickland house you know, uh, on Boyd Street in Bangor. Um, That's my address for the time being. So can I come in and update my registration and get an absentee ballot? Absentee ballots in Maine are available to in-state absentee voters 30 days before the election. For military overseas voters, it's 45 days. Also for the military and overseas voters, we have the electronic uh, MOSES Act system uh, that we apply that they can actually request and be sent and return um, Ballots electronically. Oh,
0: wow.
1: We're thinking about expanding that to include, making that available to people with disabilities. Unfortunately, the Disability Rights Center has decided to sue us over this, so we won't have their assistance, and I don't know quite why they made that decision, because it's something we're already working on. Um, but something like that could be contemplated, too, under, under the right circumstances. Um, you know, People who are homeless oftentimes still have access to technology. Either they have a mm-hmm. smartphone or they can go to the library so I think there's creative ways that we can contemplate uh, making it easier for people to be able to participate in this process. I mean, one of the things about being poor, never mind homeless, but being poor, it's incredibly expensive to be poor. And we never think of it that way. And you think about it, it's like, well, okay, you don't have money to go to the movies. Well, no, if you're doing laundry and you don't have a car, you gotta take a cab. You have to get you know, $10 worth of quarters and you have to buy the detergent and you spend all day at a laundromat so somebody doesn't steal your stuff and then, you know, you get a cab back. So I just popped in a load of laundry here, you know, and it it probably cost me 50 cents. Um, But for that homeless person or somebody who is is in rarefied circumstances, that might cost them 15 or $20 to do that same load of laundry. Same thing is true with food, of course, you know. Food is very expensive, and it's expensive to eat healthy. These are the things that, you know, we are having conversations about in the time of the pandemic. you know, in our church in Old Town, and I'm not, you know, one of these holy rollers, please. <laughs> but I, you know, I, I, it's a nice spiritual community. It's an Episcopal church. And we do a food basket, right? The food basket every Sunday, and we designate where it goes to, you know, the Indian Women's Mission or to the Crossroads Ministries food pantry. So uh, we started doing this thing. It was like maybe getting lunch stuff, all right, and sending it to the elementary school. It just exploded And we went so far as to do a little fundraiser and we bought a refrigerator for the middle school and we're sending food to all these schools Uh, well schools are out yeah they're out so you have a lot of hungry people and you know when you see people in the grocery store you ask them how they're doing they're not going to say hey pat you know i'm glad you asked i'm not sure i have enough money to feed my family this week no they're going to say things are going great there's a lot of shame in being homeless being poor being destitute uh, living in, in, in really dangerous situations and they don't want to talk about it. So we don't really even know the numbers. And that, by the way, is in normal times with this pandemic, you know, like the people I described waiting tables at the local restaurants and they don't have work right now. Um, you know, yeah, the, the extra $600 a week in unemployment, that's going to run out at some point. And by the way, they're going to have to pay taxes on that at some point. Okay. And so, you know, it's, it's just like, it's just one blow after the other. And I know we're talking about voting but you know the 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 challenge that we have with that aspect of it and I mentioned it you know when people move last thing they think about is their voter registration. You know they're thinking about their next meal right they're thinking about getting themselves situated or you know they've lost their job they're thinking about finding another job and now you know the 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 moratorium's running out and they're gonna lose their their living situation and they're behind on their payments from their car they might lose their car and then they really are living on a park bench. Yeah. Um yeah they're thinking about oh geez you know I gotta go update my voter registration so <laughs> I think that this is something that as we talk about it and it, what happened in this primary and a very interesting thing I think you'll find fast I find it fascinating. Typically in a primary we have about 15% turnout, right? 10% in uncontested races and uncontested years, maybe as high as 20%. We're knocking on the door this year a 30% turnout. Wow. And, and part of the reason for that is we've been talking publicly now for three months. How do you do it? How do you pull off a statewide election in the time of a global pandemic? Well, maybe you we should have our absentee balloting. Maybe we should do something electronic. Maybe, you know, what about personal protective equipment? So we spend a lot of money, not a lot, $121,000. A lot of money, if, if I had to write the check, it'd be a lot of money. Right. Um, $121,000 for personal protective equipment for all poll workers in the state of Maine.
0: Right.
1: Um, you know, and, and we got a Maine-based company to do it. So we had like plexiglass shields and all the polling places. It was great, people loved it. We got a line on pens. We spent $7,000 on pens uh, so that people could mark their ballots and not have to worry about whether or not the pen, the pen was sanitary,
0: yeah, you know, just take it with
1: them, you know, so. Um, So we had this surge in turnout because I think as we talk about it, people realize it's important. Otherwise we wouldn't be talking about it and they start to participate. And I think the same thing is true with what you're doing with this project. You talk about the danger of homelessness. Yeah, we're talking about voting. But for somebody who's in that situation, voting is really the least of their worries. We want it to be something they can do and still function in society and maybe uh, help them recover in other ways as well. Um,
0: and and I think I think voting is so important because it literally is the per- the people getting elected are the ones who are going to decide whether or not you have a leg up, you know that whole bootstrap thing. If you've got no boots, so you know if if the wrong people are elected, your homelessness is not going to be addressed. And so literally, it's except for you know, struggling to make sure little Billy isn't beat up at school and feeding your family and all the things a homeless family, family experiencing homelessness has to do, voting to me, and I know I'm a bit of a politics fan, but I think it's like the most important thing. We got to keep it on the plate, on the agenda for November. And so I think you're right. I think if we just start people talking about it and keep talking about it. And that was one, that was really what my last big question was, is there an ad campaign? Will, will there be outreach? Um, when I ran shelters, every time we did an intake, and I, I know it's my agenda, but it was my agenda, I would ask a person if they would want to register to vote. As soon as they came in my shelter, if someone wanted to register to vote, I registered them to vote. And um, I believe it's on the Pennsylvania intake also for applications for housing. Um, so is there an outreach that will be done maybe to focus, maybe no one else will become homeless in Maine. Let's keep our fingers crossed that you're at your maximum number right now. Um, but the ones that are and feeling completely, literally disenfranchised and forgot that this is their power to to come out in November or to mail in their ballot for November, is there gonna be some sort of dialogue going forward, do you think?
1: I think there should be, and it's a great idea. I mean. Take a look at our Ranked Choice Voting animated instructional video, and maybe we can talk about doing something similar for people who are in in tough circumstances. If you don't have a fixed in principle home, what do you do? We want people to to be a part of our society. That's why we do this. That's Mm -hmm. why we make these decisions collectively. I think it's a great idea, and I think it's something we ought to work on. And it wouldn't take a lot of resources to do this type of work because, you know, let's face it, I don't have a budget for an ad campaign. And people who are in that situation usually aren't watching television anyway. So, um, but there are ways that we can, we put that out there, then we're not only informing those people, but the people around them who are trying to advocate for them and assist them, um, who will then take that information out into the field with the people that they're trying to serve and help them. I think it's a good idea, for sure. We'll,
0: we'll take this video when we're done um, after our event on the 20th and the 21st, and we will send it to all the main media. And oh, maybe, maybe the main media will, grab the bull by the horns and run with it with you, you know, and you could have a partner in this.
1: I I mean, I think it's a totally worthwhile cause, you know, because we are trying to trying to help our most vulnerable. And sometimes, you know, they could be in your own family. You know, I mean, I actually was homeless for a short period of time. Uh, When I was near the end of college, I was in between things. I had nowhere to live. I did some couch surfing, actually did sleep in the woods one night um you know it's hard to really describe me as being destitute you know i just didn't have anything signed at the moment but I, you know it was only like for about a week but it's it's nerve wracking when you're not sure where you're going to sleep tonight you know i gotta tell you you know there's there's a terrible book and I'm, and i urge you to not read it um, it won the national book award and it's called uh the heart of the sea and it's the factual basis of moby dick uh, a ship that sank in the middle of the pacific and all they had was their whaleboats. And the thing that really gripped me and haunted me about that story was the first night. When, it, you know, here they are, they're in open boats in the middle of the ocean, and now it's getting dark. And that, that strikes something primal in all of us. And you think about, you know, a young mother, um, you know, maybe trying to flee an abusive situation with young children, and she doesn't have anywhere to go. You know, if we don't reach out to those people, then what are we? You know, I always give a few bucks to people in the rotaries and at the intersections with the cardboard signs. And uh, I had somebody write in and it's like, you know, they're probably just going to take that five bucks and go buy beer with it. I said, you yeah, know, they might, they might. Um, and if that's what they're doing with the money, then shame on them. You know, but if somebody is asking me for help and I don't give it, what's that say about me? Mm. What does it say about me? And that's you know, I'm nobody's idea of a crusader or a saint, but I think we just have to take care of each other. If we don't, then we're not living up to our promise.
0: Well, I have been a Matthew Dunlap fan for a very long time, but I want to tell you your understanding of the the crisis of poverty. You- you blow every other person I've talked to with any semblance of power right out of the water. The understanding of it, you just don't go to a laundromat, even though that's inconvenient, that, that you don't just buy broccoli. You know, you, things aren't just that easy. And the fact that you understand that just makes me really grateful that you're in the position that you're in.
1: and it's mutual. And I've long said that you're the smartest person that we've never elected. <laughs> Well, thank you.
0: (laughs) Well, Matthew, uh, thank Secretary. uh, Thank you so much for taking the time. And we will get a copy of this to absolutely every news outlet in the state of Maine and get you all the help we can to, to move this forward.
1: All right, let's see if we can do something good.
0: Right, wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you.